You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I am a credentialed media member covering the Suns in the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. You can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns. And stay tuned today for a Game 4 recap, taking you through what happened in this 109-103 loss by the Suns to the Milwaukee Bucks. This is what it feels like. This is what it feels like on the other end of the party that was games one and two of the NBA Finals and what real teams feel like, I think, in the playoffs. No more nine-game winning streaks. No more incredible, incredible um, emotional highs. This is the bottom. This is the low. This is the unfortunate side of losses and wins in sports, right? This is what it is. So we'll get through all of it. I want to take you guys through... Chris Paul, the Suns could have won this game, I think it's fair to say. If Chris Paul plays even average, I'll tell you why. The Bucks winning the same exact way that they did in Game 3 by cleaning up on the Suns' mistakes and how that played out, as well as answering the question of whether Devin Booker's career night 42-point game was ruined by his fouls and the Suns' fouls overall. We'll get to all of that in just a second, but first, today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment of the Week coming up later in the show. Okay. Again, 109-103, Game 4 loss by the Suns. The, the Bucks outscore Phoenix by 12 in the fourth quarter. A final minute that fortunately had very few stoppages, but unfortunately did not go the Suns' way. Hectic, chaotic, and the Bucks end up coming out on top by making the plays late. But that's not the whole story of the game. A lot of this story, a lot of what I'm sure all of you will be hearing coming out of this game throughout Thursday is going to be about Chris Paul. In a game as tight as this one, six-point margin, Chris Paul being less than his usual self is enough to change a game like that. It's just a reality, especially a, a superstar player playing significantly below his standard. That is what changes games from wins to losses. Chris Paul was 10-7-4, and 10.7 assists, 4 rebounds tonight on 5 of 13 shooting from the field. After this game, in which he had 5 turnovers as well, this is courtesy of Kevin Pelton, Chris Paul's 15 turnovers over the past three games are his most in a three-game playoff stretch since 2012. He was a minus 10 in the box score. All of the angles you look at this from, Chris Paul was not himself. And again, a six-point loss, that is enough to really hurt you, to really, really hurt you. Um, Let's get into a little bit of why, though. We know the what. Now let's get into the why. It looked like Chris Paul, to me, knew from the opening tip that it wasn't his night. I mean, not to say that I think he expected to be so bad, not to say that he wasn't trying, any of that. It just, to me, it felt like he lacked a certain amount of aggressiveness, not just as a scorer, but just the the energy and bounce in him that he always has. He always plays like the smartest and most in-control player on the floor. That did not feel like it was there to me. Now, of course, I think 
a lot of us noticed the ball just didn't look the same coming out of his hands. And that's part of why I'm saying that he had a terrible start to the third quarter, especially with the turnover and a missed bunny right after that, the camera catches him saying he's going to start shooting, but didn't really follow up on that. Um, didn't really turn the corner as a scorer after that. I felt like, you know, one thing I've been harping on throughout these games was that Chris Paul was going to be ready to hit those corner three-point shooters when the Bucks helped. And I know that's a very difficult thing. If it was that simple, then the Bucks' defense would not be as effective as it has been. But that has not been the case in games three and four. He has not been able to find those shooters, and that felt even more pronounced today. And then finally, a turnover with 32.1 seconds to go. That was the killer, and we'll talk about that play more in just a second. Now, again, continuing on the why Chris Paul being less than his usual self changed this game, I think it's natural to think about these torn wrist ligaments that he let us in on after Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals. Said that that day he had gotten an MRI on that wrist to check the status of those ligaments, and obviously they... He's not been on the, the the injury report. He has not had to miss games. He's not been questionable, doubtful, any of that stuff up to this point. But to me, I think that's the natural place to go. Just like we're assuming that Devin Booker's nose impacted him in game three or has impacted him at various points throughout the playoffs since it happened in game two of the Western Conference Finals, I think it's fair to wonder if the same is going on with Paul. And the reason I think it's fair is because it's inconsistent. And to me, that feels like pain management and comfort more so than, you know, obviously Dario Saric, if he had tried to continue to play, I think we would have known really quickly that that was dangerous. I'm not saying that's where we are, but I do think when a player is shooting the ball in a way that the spin doesn't even look the same, that he is hesitant to be aggressive and is missing shots that he makes all the time, I think it's really, honestly, the assumption should be that if a wrist injury has bothered him in the past, that that's probably where it's coming from. So, I'm not trying to diagnose it. Monty Williams, for the record, did say that it was nothing physical, that Paul feels fine, that they all expect him to bounce back, saying the things that a head coach in an NBA Finals should and likely will always say. Uh, You're not going to say, yeah, you know, he's really feeling it and we're probably not going to get Chris Paul back in a full capacity. Like, you're not going to say that, right? He's going to play. He's going to be available. He's going to be your leader and you just have to hope that that's true. And tonight, it wasn't for a lack of trying. I will say that. He was taking open mid-range jumpers when they were there. He was making team defensive plays, I thought. I don't feel like he was, you know, lacking energy or confidence necessarily tonight in terms of playing his role and being involved in the game. It was just the um, clear lack of ability to make those jumpers is really where it showed up and the turnovers. Not that that feels like an injury-related thing to me, but to me, it just felt like, again, it, he it from the opening tip seemed like he knew it wasn't going to be his game. And it was a cascading effect from there where I think he's second-guessing himself. He's thinking about, you know, whether he should try to shoot. If he knows that that discomfort or pain is there, it's going to impact. Instead of it just being instinctive, instead of that control, that complete control that I was talking about, you start to wonder. And then that trickles down into the rest of your game. And... 
We'll get to this in a second, but just a more semantic point is that Giannis was playing center a lot. And in that drop defensive coverage that Giannis is able to play, I actually think he's better at it than Brooke Lopez, which is not a surprise. He's better at most things than Brooke Lopez. But Chris Paul's space just wasn't there. So did he get some open jumpers? Yes. But I also think that he was crowded in a way that he had not been up to this point in the series with how much center Giannis played tonight. So last game, uh, you know, it was Booker. This game, it was Paul. And in a situation where guys like Payne and Ayton and Bridges are cold late in this game, it's right there for the Suns to seize it. It's right there for Chris Paul to step up like he has so often. And with Booker only having four points in the fourth quarter, dealing with foul trouble that we're about to get into, the Suns just aren't able to close the game. And I do think, again, a typical Chris Paul performance could have been the difference between that and the Suns hanging on. All right, let's get into the Bucks winning the same way that they have in Game 3 by cleaning up on those big Suns mistakes right after this. But first, a quick word from Michelob Ultra, who is sponsoring this week's Ultra Moment which to me was, again, hosting an NBA Finals game. And that's massive. I mean, there's nothing like that. And I know we're not exactly on this week, but I didn't get to talk about Game 2 and the environment there. And I just think, even though these games were not in Phoenix... The city is coming out in full force. Um, it's been awesome to see. You can tell that Valley basketball fans are full of joy seeing their team finally be worth cheering for, be good, be special, be exciting, be fun. And look, everybody I know is happy to finally watch these games. People that I never even knew are coming out of the woodwork and loving this team. It's obviously a great team to root for, but it's also very helpful when you win, of course. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, as Michelob Ultra loves to remind us. Joy creates success. I don't think it's a coincidence that this crowd being so responsive and so excited to tap in once again to this team, that that feeds to the team itself on the floor. The, the building has been rocking. The city has been rocking. You hear Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges, different guys in their press conferences, constantly alluding back to this fan base. And uh, again, enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. The Suns fan base, this Valley fan base is loving it. And uh, it's been the most special part of this entire run, aside from the games and the X's and O's and all the nonsense that we can get lost in. Enjoying these games is what is really important. Only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, Michelob Ultra sponsoring this week's Ultra Moment of the Week. Okay, we are back here talking Game 4, Suns narrowly losing, dropping this classic game four. And that mostly happened because the Bucks were able to do what they have been doing most of the series and especially what they've done in Milwaukee during games three and four. We'll get into all of how that played out in just a second. First though, guys, again, today's Road to the Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it in that 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So everybody's mantra, everybody's line in the press conferences I just got out of, I like to sit in on them for as long as I can until I have to record for you folks. I don't want to wait too long, but in this case, DeAndre Ayton slipped away. And everybody that spoke to us said, 17 turnovers, 17 offensive rebounds. 17 was that magical number. And poetic in the wrong way for the Suns, but a nice 
tie to just see how those mistakes piled up for the Suns. The Bucks had 24 points off of those 17 turnovers, and then obviously were able to keep possessions alive with the 17 offensive rebounds. Ended the game with 19 more attempted shots than the Suns. And that just piles up. Look, you can't lose the possession game to that extreme of a degree and expect to win games. Even when you outshoot a team, the Suns outshot the Bucks. They shot 51%. Milwaukee shot just 40%. Um, but it wasn't enough because the Suns on these margins really got blasted. And I'll start with Giannis again because so much of this game and the rest of this series has gone through him. And two things I think you can't let Giannis keep doing as part of this slippage that the Suns had is crashing the boards and assisting teammates. Um, You can't let him keep doing that because he's going to score. He's going to get to the line. He's going to play defense, which trust me, we will get into. He was really, really, really remarkable on defense and smothered a lot of what the Suns wanted to do. That's all a given. I think you're not going to get away from that. This guy was the first player since MJ to win defensive player of the year and MVP. It's all, it's all a given. You cannot let him get offensive rebounds and get assists. And he did both of those in high order tonight. He had five offensive boards and eight assists. And a lot of that contributed. Obviously, those offensive boards contributed to the 17. And the turnovers, those were a lot of the situations where Giannis was able to get those assists. They were very, very good in transition. The Bucks were. I have that number for you as well. And a lot of that was from Giannis. So let's get to that number. The Bucks were posted a 125 offensive rating in transition in this game and just a 90.7 half court offensive rating. So when they were able to run, they were scoring like an elite offense. And when they were forced to play in the half court, they had a 90.7 offensive rating, which is several, several ticks below what even the worst offense in the NBA would be during the regular season. So that's the difference. When they were able to run, they looked elite. When they were not, they didn't. And they were had, they had to be bailed out by those offensive rebounds and Chris Middleton's shot making. Mostly, the second half is where the Bucks thrived with this stuff. They outscored again. They outscored the Suns by 12 in that fourth quarter. But it was because of these, these energy areas, these hustle areas where the Bucks were able to make a difference. The Suns are the first team, this is courtesy of StatMuse, the first team in NBA history to lose a finals game despite shooting better than 50% and holding their opponents below 42%. So you don't see games where the team shoots better than 50% and loses very often at all in a relatively low scoring game. This is this is just not normal, but the Bucks have done this. This is how the Bucks won game three. This is how they've now won game four, and this is going to be their recipe to win going forward. The one new wrinkle, obviously, like I just mentioned a moment ago, is Chris Middleton playing like a lunatic. He had 40 points on 15 of 33 shooting, including 14 in the fourth quarter, and he's been playing pretty well for most of the series. Game two was a little down for him. Game one mostly was really just those pull-up threes, but in this one, he was really finding space in that mid-range, and Mikael Bridges, I think his length has finally met its match. So the, the Suns obviously like to have DeAndre Ayton drop in the pick and roll, especially when Giannis is involved, because you don't you want to make sure you have a body at the rim if he's getting downhill. And Middleton was able to just slip into those areas. He's able to shoot over the top of Bridges, unlike really any other player in the NBA, and Bridges had to get benched. Cam Johnson closed this game because Middleton was playing so, so well, adding to those energy areas. But 
giving them just enough in the half court. Obviously, that 15 of 33, it wasn't even the most efficient night for Middleton, but giving the Bucks just enough when they did have to score in the half court to get it done. And I think all of this is exemplified by the final few possessions. So you had, with less than a minute to go, here's what happened. Giannis, the beautiful and many, many replayed block. I'm, you know, obviously aggravated in the moment, but you can also sit back and say that is an incredible play and a a little bit of a poor pass by Devin Booker, but an incredible play. The Bucks get down the floor. Holiday, they 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 get a Middleton mid-range jumper that misses. Holiday though gets the offensive rebound. Just the story of the game. Then a few moments later, Chris Paul is stripped by Holiday. The Bucks run the floor and they get a Middleton layup off of some nice ball movement and aggressive uh, transition running, getting down the floor with multiple players and, and getting Middleton free. And just overall, Giannis was playing with so much force and everyone else was competing so hard that plays like that were routine. They were throughout the entire game and it was able to be another winning recipe for the second straight game that the Bucks can outmaneuver and, and eventually beat a Suns team that had an, an incredible performance by Booker, a efficient night overall by the team, and it didn't matter because that's just how the Bucks know that they need to win and they've been able to make it happen. Um, on the positive side, though, I don't want to be too negative. We're going to get out of here talking to you about Devin Booker, but I also wanted to just say here that, look, Milwaukee needs, this game shows, the past game showed, Milwaukee needs their three stars to be good to great just to win a game and to control all of those hustle and execution facets, again, just to win the game. They need all of that to go right. The Suns, though, have more talent, more depth, a better scheme, and each game has been right there because of that. Because the Suns have that star power and depth and scheme, the Suns have had a chance to win every single game. But in the past two, the reality is they've beaten themselves and they're going to have to level themselves, level with themselves in order to come overcome that. And they're also going to have to just get cleaned up. And that's sometimes easier than big adjustments. So we'll see what happens. But one good thing going right for them and probably will continue to go that way is Devin Booker. He had a massive night, but was it ruined by fouls? I'm not quite sure I'm ready to say that, but we'll get our way through that in just a moment. First, though, a quick word from Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it can be a real pain just to walk into the dealership and trust that you're going to get a cheap, efficient, and well-working part for your car or truck. So why endure that pointless questioning, intimidating questioning, and concerned that you're going to overpay when you could just log on to rockauto.com. You can save time and money when you switch to Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers online for 20 years. They have the same reliably low prices for every customer, and they don't even require an account to make your purchase. That's right. You can just type in that car or truck name, scroll down, find the part you need, purchase it, and it'll be at your door within days. Simple as that. They have everything you need from brake parts to something simple like new carpet. Everything, everything, everything. And best of all, they have an easy-to-use website to help you find just what your car or truck needs. So go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your vehicle, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box when you make your purchase so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Today's show also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. Baseball season, heading toward the stretch run, and you can track all of it at BetOnline. You can also get the latest news, odds, and info on the NBA, NHL, draft, and futures, and all the rest. And 
constant UFC, MMA, and boxing action. So before the next tip-off, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device to check out all the great news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info available at Bet Online. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the NBA title. Head to betonline.ag on the web or on, again, your mobile device. Make an account today and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit by using the promo code Locked on. Again, that's when you make your first deposit at Bet Online. Use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Closing out the show here with some thoughts on Devin Booker's big, big night and whether the Suns allowed fouls to get in their way, Booker included. So, again, saving the best for last here because I do want to highlight that game. This, this game. Incredible legendary, hardly a word to describe what Devin Booker just did, especially coming off a putrid game three. So much conversation about will he bounce back? Can he bounce back? Suns fans knew he was going to. Anyone who's watched this team knew it was going to happen. But Booker responds with 42 points, not a single made three, sort of an ode to Chris Paul's game four in Denver with the 37 that he had without a three. Um, But in many ways, I think Booker's huge night his third 40-point game of the playoffs, by the way, was overshadowed by his own foul trouble and just the referee situation as a whole for this team, the way that they responded. So just to go through the foul trouble, Booker leaves the game with 5.53 to go in the third quarter after picking up his first, sorry, his fourth foul, <clears throat> similar to DeAndre Ayton in game three, fortunately a little later in the third quarter, but at that point, the score is 65-62. So Booker leaves the game. Score is 65-62, Booker with that fourth foul. He returns, I think, after some um, lobbying of Monty Williams with with 325 to go in the third. So only missed about two and a half minutes. And the score at that point is 71-70, Suns. So they had the lead still, but Milwaukee was able to cut it down by two. They won those minutes. Fourth quarter, Booker leaves the game with 11-10-50 technically to go in the fourth quarter after his fifth foul at which point the Suns have a six-point lead at 85-79. to He stays out for much longer, and I think you know this might be another storyline after what happened in Game 3 with Aiton that Monty kept Booker out. He he talked us through it, and you know his thinking was, it's excruciating, but as long as you have the lead, you're comfortable trying to stick with it, and you, know, you play the process over the results. It is what it is. Booker, again, to repeat that, 555 is when he's able to come back in. Sits for five minutes and five seconds, and Milwaukee again wins those minutes, cutting the lead by three. It is just 93 to 90 the next time that Booker checks in. So Milwaukee won both of the stretches when Booker was off the floor with those fouls, allowing them to keep this game close. Monty basically repeated over and over that he thought Book could have scored 50 if he had been able to play his normal minutes load, and he only played 39 minutes, but we've seen him go much higher in past games, especially when he has it going. I think Monty's right. 50 was within reach, considering he scored 42 despite all of these pauses. Only able to score four points in that fourth quarter because of that long stretch where he's on the bench, and I think that is probably the thing to look at most is the rhythm. Did he get interrupted there? Were the Bucks able to take back the momentum and yes, the Suns were up three when Booker came back, but he was not able to really make an imprint on the game at the same level that he had been. So I think that's fair to question. The other part of this is Courtney Kirkland, who was refereeing his first NBA Finals game. 
And look, I am the last guy. I don't even know the name of most referees. So this is rare for me to do. I do not like to be that guy, but it was so consistent that it was Kirkland specifically who was getting into disagreements with the players that I think it's worth just bringing up. I don't think that Cortland Kirkland is a bad referee. Far be it for me to say who's a good versus a bad referee. You will not hear me trying to say that, but I'm just going to say that it was him often. So it started with a few iffy calls on Aiton against Giannis in the first half. Then he did up in the third quarter when Booker got into foul trouble. Then in the fourth quarter, you have Booker's fifth foul is that loose ball foul with P.J., Clearly flopping, both Van Gundy and Mark Jackson agree that there was not much there to call a foul on. That happened, though, right after Kirkland had just missed an out-of-bounds call that clearly went off of P.J. Tucker. That creates the fast break the other direction, the missed shot, and then Booker fouling P.J. on that loose ball per Kirkland's call. So that is just a few little parts of this. You also saw Booker when he's on the bench in that fourth quarter saying, come on, Courtney. And I'm sure I'm forgetting some. I know you guys will have more in your head. I just think um, he also missed the intentional. Actually, I'm not sure that was Courtney Kirkland. So let me let me pause there. But again, it was consistent enough that I think it was in Booker's head. So if we're thinking this 42 point performance, how do the Suns not win? We talked about Chris Paul. We talked about the mistakes and the Bucks able to take advantage of them. I think another big part of it truly to me is those fouls. We know Booker can get distracted. We know that these things can happen. On the other end, just in terms of the momentum, the the referees helped the Suns, helped Booker by missing this intentional foul on Drew Holiday with about 30 30 seconds to go in the game that would have been Booker's sixth foul, and they don't see it, they don't call it. Chris Middleton scores on that possession, but Booker's able to stay in the game, and I guess that means it was a help, but I just can't help but come away with this thought that the Suns just got distracted, that they let it get into their heads. You know, having listened to this show all year, that this is something that I've worried about. So I do think it was a direct distraction. One of the greatest games in recent finals memory, guys. And it's unfortunately, it's just overshadowed by late game execution that is not good enough. Sloppy fouls and a little bit too much bickering with the referees for me. Um, again, listeners, you guys know that I, I, I worried about this coming back to haunt the Suns, and I get, I get, I'm not saying that this was the reason that they lost, but I think it's one of, and a big reason why they lost, especially when you think about Booker only scoring four points in that fourth quarter, allowing those fouls to get to him, allowing the rhythm to get to him, and, um, you know, getting on the wrong side of things where you're getting some bad sloppy mistakes early and then paying for it late when a missed call does happen. And I get wanting to stay on message and forcing the refs to officiate Giannis better. I think that's a thing that you need to try to do. You need to say it in the media. You need to talk about it in the game. And that makes sense because you can actually change the outcome if the officials are aware of these little things. But getting frustrated with every single call, even when you aren't even in the bonus yet, when you're still ahead in the game, I think that's where it starts to become a distraction. You add in poor execution and those other facets of the game, Chris Paul's poor performance, and it just leaves that sour taste in my mouth that a more crisp and locked-in Suns team would have stayed in the lead, I think. Would have would have been able to put their foot on the gas and win this game, and instead, we head back to Phoenix to begin a best-of-three series tied 2-2 with the Suns having home court advantage. It's a tough one. Again, it's a tough one. 
this is what happens. This this is what normal playoff basketball feels like. Not these ripped off win streaks. Not um, these series that you feel like you're in control in of from the beginning. I don't think Suns fans have felt this way since Game Three of the Lakers series. And you know, sometimes things don't go your way. I do just still feel like things have to be pretty perfect for Milwaukee to be able to win. They're not shooting the ball well, but everything else is going their way. The Suns have had a lot of mistakes, sloppiness, bad luck, bad calls, whatever you want to point to. There are a lot of things that can get cleared up for the Suns to be able to win two of three and walk away with an NBA championship. So I'm sure we'll all be tuning in Saturday. I will be back with you on Friday to get you even more ready for game four, game five, sorry, with David Nash, um, Suns aficionado and host of his own podcast, writer of the Four Point Play newsletter. So be looking forward to that show. Be looking forward to game five. Enjoy these moments, even the bad ones, because not so long ago we were uh, deep in draft talk by this time of year, and this is a very special run no matter what. Enjoy your Thursday, folks. I'll talk to you tomorrow on our way to a game five at home.